Hi, my name is Brian. Welcome to episode 9 in the podcast, Homo Deus, Humanity's Evolution from Social Institutions to World Peace. In chapter 9 of his book, Harari discusses the threats posed by artificial intelligence, including eliminating employment for the majority of humanity, undermining our understanding of ourselves as individuals, and taking over the world and wiping out humanity. We will discuss these risks, as well as other existential risks faced by humanity, such as the eruption of a supervolcano, or invasion by an alien species. With all these risks facing us, where should we focus our attention? In Chapter 9, Harari talks about the advances in computing and artificial intelligence and how in many cases AI is surpassing human intelligence. Harari calls this the great decoupling. Intelligence is separating from consciousness. Up to now, all intelligence on Earth has evolved organically, and it always came with consciousness. But now we have very intelligent computers with no consciousness at all. As computers become more intelligent, they will steadily replace humans in almost all existing jobs, such that humanity becomes a class of useless people. Harari reminds us of the fate of horses during the Industrial Revolution. Although horses had many talents that cars did not have, they were replaced by cars because cars were superior in the handful of specialized tasks that really mattered. Harari then walks through every profession and shows how AI could replace humans, including transportation, which we already discussed, but also manufacturing, stock exchange trading, lawyers, teachers, doctors, both GPs and specialists, pharmacists, and customer service representatives. In the section entitled A Probability of 87%, Harari discusses Angelina Jolie's choice to have a double mastectomy. The key point he focuses on is that she didn't really rely on her feelings to make that decision. Instead, she relied on an algorithm that told her she had an 87% chance of developing breast cancer. This is an example of how, in the field of medicine, we already trust the algorithms more than we trust ourselves. Harari provides the example of Waze. Waze is a GPS-based navigational application that many drivers use. Waze isn't just a map. It's millions of users constantly updated about traffic jams, car accidents, and police cars. It doesn't take long before drivers trust Waze to make all of their driving decisions. When they reach a junction and their gut instinct tells them to go right, but Waze instructs them to turn left, users sooner or later learn that they had better listen to Waze rather than their feelings. Waze starts out as an oracle, just making suggestions. 
But as it wins your trust, it turns into an agent, making your decisions for you. Whether it is for driving decisions, or medical decisions, or any other decisions, there comes a point when the algorithms are so good at making the decisions, it becomes madness not to follow their advice. Cortana, Google Now, Siri, and Amazon are all down this same path. These examples are representative of the flood of useful devices, tools, and structures that Harari referred to earlier. Elections, for example, will become obsolete when Google knows what we want better than we do. Just like with Waze, we will learn that it is madness to trust our feelings instead of relying on the algorithm. Harari puts it this way, Liberalism will collapse on the day that the system knows me better than I know myself. The other point to note about Angelina's surgery is that not everyone has access to this kind of health care. Angelina Jolie's genetic test cost $3,000, and then there is the cost of the mastectomy, the reconstructive surgery, and all the other related surgeries which would incur a lot of additional costs. In the section entitled Upgrading Inequality, Harari discusses how this will become an even bigger problem in the future. In fact, the entire focus of medicine will likely change. In the 20th century, the focus was on healing the sick and providing a baseline standard for everyone. In the 21st century, the focus of medicine will be on upgrading the healthy, which can't be extended to everyone equally. The rich will always have access to better upgrades. In addition, in the future, the rich may lose interest in paying for the health care of the masses. In the 20th century, the rich needed the masses for armies and for industry. If they wanted to have a strong army and a growing economy, the masses needed to have a baseline of health. But this may no longer be the case in the 21st century. With automation, the masses won't be needed anymore. The built-in incentive for the rich to take care of the average person will be gone. Therefore, Harari tells us that automation, artificial intelligence, and the decoupling of intelligence from consciousness are threats to humanism in three ways. Firstly, humans will completely lose their value. Will the individual experience of humans really remain the highest value when humans themselves are not valuable? Practically speaking, it is hard to see how humanism survives this. After all, humanism succeeded, in part, because it made good sense. There was abundant political, economic, and military sense in ascribing value to every human being. Secondly, humans will lose their individual authority and instead be managed by external algorithms. Once this happens, the belief in individualism will collapse and authority will shift from individual humans to network algorithms. People will no longer see themselves as autonomous beings 
running their lives according to their own wishes. And the third way in which artificial intelligence might undermine humanism is that some humans may remain indispensable and undecipherable by the artificial intelligence. But these humans will constitute a small and privileged elite of upgraded humans. Splitting humankind into biological castes will destroy the foundations of liberal ideology, which presupposes that all human beings have equal value and authority. I found Harari's analysis of AI compelling and disturbing. There is no doubt that artificial intelligence is here and developing quickly. When Harari wrote his book in 2016, AI was mostly the domain of innovative, industry-leading tech companies like Amazon and Google. But today, four years later, it is becoming standard business practice. You may be seeing AI applications implemented in your workplace. The risks described by Harari are very real. And they are not actually risks in the sense of being unlikely events that could happen. No, these risks describe the most likely outcome. In fact, we know they are happening right now. What we don't know is how bad it will be when everything is said and done. There will be large losses in employment, but we don't know how large they will be and whether there will be any mitigating factors or any other surprises in our future. Harari notes that many people are hopeful that AI will produce new kinds of employment. After all, ever since the Industrial Revolution, people have feared that mechanization might cause mass unemployment. But this hasn't happened because as old professions became obsolete, new ones evolved, and there was always something humans could do better than machines. However, Harari says that this is not a law of nature, and nothing guarantees it will continue in the future. He then goes further in saying that the idea that humans will always have unique abilities beyond the reach of non-conscious algorithms is just wishful thinking. In addition to the employment impacts already discussed, Harari gives the following examples. The games of chess or Go were long considered to be beyond the reach of AI, but AI has defeated the grandmasters in both, leading to the conclusion that humans will never be able to beat AI in these games again. Art has long been considered to be beyond the reach of AI, After all, how can a computer know what is beautiful? But even in art, AI has been making great strides. Rari gives the example of music composition. The music composed by AI is good. When experts are asked to identify the music composed by AI versus humans, they are unable to identify the AI. You can read his chapter if you want more details on this. Given these very significant risks posed by AI, it would be reasonable for humanity to pause or slow down the development. What will we do when masses of people are unemployable? Or what will we do when the rich are biologically enhancing themselves and losing interest in paying for basic medical care 
for regular people. How will we handle this kind of inequality? I don't like our chances in this scenario. Homo sapiens are not equipped with adequate cooperation skills to handle it. Unfortunately, the reality is it is not possible to stop the development of AI. As discussed in previous episodes, no one knows where the brakes are. If a few countries or companies decide to pause, they will be left behind by others who proceed with the development. This is the predicament humanity is in that we have been discussing throughout this podcast. I don't fault business or military for implementing AI. They really have no choice. If they do not implement it, they will be left behind. From this perspective, implementing AI is very similar to implementing industrialization or personal computing. You need to do it in order to keep up and stay in business. As noted, a key focus of Harari's chapter is on how AI will undermine humanism. When humans are no longer employable, will individual experience still really be regarded as the most important thing in the universe? When AI undermines the concept of the individual, what ground will humanism have left to stand on? Harari suggests new religions will emerge to answer our questions and enable our cooperation. But I would say that there is no law of nature guaranteeing this will be the case. And I would go further. It is just wishful thinking that we can keep on coming up with new blends of truth and fiction that are convincing. At some point there just isn't much room left for a new recipe. Liberalism is already straining under inequality in our current society. Is it really plausible that a new religion can arise that justifies even greater inequality than we see today? If such a religion does arise, how long can it really last? An issue not raised by Harari is whether a world built on AI has long-term sustainability. In December, Google forced out a prominent AI ethics researcher after she voiced frustration with the company for making her withdraw a research paper. The paper pointed out the risks of language processing artificial intelligence, the type used in Google Search and other text analysis programs. Among the risks is the large carbon footprint of developing this kind of AI technology. By some estimates, training an AI model generates as much carbon emissions as it takes to build and drive five cars over their lifetimes. This is a concern. I'm sure there is room to make AI applications more energy efficient, but it seems to me that AI is necessarily an energy-intensive technology. Building our society on AI leads us down the path towards being less in harmony with our ecosystems. Even though Homo sapiens can't stop the development, it ultimately makes us less fit for survival in the earthly biosphere. We will talk more in the next episode 
about the concept of survival of the fittest. Yes, humanity is in a precarious position. There are no easy answers. Sometimes our thought leaders talk in terms of simple solutions. New technology will save us. Or we just need to implement new government policies to reduce inequality. These things are good. I am very supportive of pursuing them. But let's not fool ourselves into thinking that they will be enough. They do not get at the heart of the issue. Our cooperation skills are not adequate to handle the problems raised by the path of development we are stuck on. And these problems are just going to get bigger as we move forward. Therefore, we need to think big. Evolving into a new species with new cooperation skills is the only solution that gets at the heart of our problems. These are the hazards of AI technology that we know are coming down the pipe towards us. Harari also discusses the risk that artificial intelligence, or the algorithms we create, take over the world and exterminate humanity. AI might decide to get rid of humanity because it poses a threat to the AI, or simply because humanity is irrelevant and their calculations show things would be better off without them. The AI might be conscious, as per the Terminator movie series, or it might be non-conscious, as per the intentionally benign algorithm that Harari mentions that was designed to calculate the number pi, and then goes on to take over the universe to fulfill its purpose of calculating pi with ever-increasing accuracy. After all, that is the mandate the Divine Creator gave it. What can we say about this risk? Well, it is for sure less likely than the other hazards associated with AI. It may or may not happen. We know the other hazards will happen. We just don't know how bad they will be. Even with all the AI development to date, we have seen no evidence of any consciousness developing. And if this scenario is going to come true, it is difficult to do anything about it. We could try to slow the pace of our development or put controls on it. But as discussed, we don't know where the brakes are. We could try to kill the people that are pushing AI forward, like Sarah Connor tried in the Terminator movie series. The problem is, AI is being developed everywhere. Where would we even start? Yes, the risks associated with AI are part of the package of risks that come with our path of development. Similar to climate change, nuclear war, and inequality. They are inherent to who we are as homo sapiens. These risks should be our top priority and ideally we would consider them as a package. It will be difficult to solve the problem of climate change without solving injustice and racism. And we are unlikely to solve climate change and racism if we are not in control of our technological development. Even if we do make good progress on a particular risk, such as injustice, all the progress we make could easily be swept away by the latest technological development.
This is what is suggested by Harari's prediction that humans will ultimately become a class of useless people. Suppose we achieve full employment equity. The celebration may not last long if everyone soon thereafter becomes unemployed. Yes, the risks associated with our path of development can only be addressed by changing the course of our development. And how do we change the path of our development? As discussed, we don't know where the brakes are. We can't even slow down our trajectory, never mind take a hold of the steering wheel and change directions. We are not in control, and we will never be in control. The only way we will change our path is by working with what evolution is already doing, by embracing the emergence of a new way of cooperating. While we are on the topic of AI potentially wiping out humanity and the Terminator movie series, it might be worthwhile to consider other risks that have the potential to wipe out humanity. How much attention should we pay to these other existential risks? Risks that come to mind include Earth being hit by a large asteroid, a supervolcano like the Yellowstone caldera erupting, large solar flares, a virus could emerge that wipes out humanity. Maybe we call it a zombie apocalypse virus. Or maybe we are invaded by aliens. While these risks are real, they are also very low likelihood in a short period of time. Given we are facing clear and present dangers that are inherent to our path of development, this is where our focus should be. Climate change, increasing inequality, mass unemployment, and loss of belief in humanism are big challenges. And they will all be coming hard at us in the next 50 years. I'm not against some energy being spent on these other risks, but it is important not to get distracted. We need all hands on deck to address our current problems. That being said, I cannot resist the opportunity to talk about the possibility of an invasion by aliens. Given the vastness of space and the fact that we haven't had any confirmed visitations, this may be the most unlikely item on the list. But suppose aliens did arrive, what would they be like? Well, the first thing I would want to know is what is their basis for cooperating? I think we can all agree that aliens who cannot cooperate amongst themselves will not be building spaceships. So what are the possible methods of cooperating for the aliens who are potentially invading Earth? Well, they could cooperate based on the dominant structure, like many animals do here on Earth, and like we did before we became Homo sapiens. But if so, it is unlikely they could cooperate well enough to build a spaceship capable of interstellar travel. The examples we see on Earth all live in small groups and are not capable of anything close to this. Or maybe they cooperate just like us, cooperating based on social institutions like we do. This is what most of the science fiction that I've seen, such as Star Trek or Star Wars, assumes. 
The aliens are like us, but with better technology. How likely is this? Well, this gets at the heart of what we are discussing in this podcast. According to Harari, this is a likely future for us, but I have been arguing that this is unlikely. Social institutions can only hold back so much destructive power. Once the threshold is breached, the species need to evolve its methods of cooperation or go extinct. Today we are a long ways away from interstellar travel, and yet we may be very close to exceeding the capacity of our social institutions to manage our violence. If I am right about this, then the sorts of advanced life forms that we would encounter if we traveled the universe would be mostly different from us. Species that controlled their violence using social institutions like us would be rare, with a survival period measured in thousands of years instead of millions of years. Another possibility is that the aliens cooperate like ants or bees. That is, they will be able to coordinate in large numbers, but not flexibly like Homo sapiens. All the examples we see on Earth of these kinds of species remain within the bounds of their ecosystems. Ants and bees are successful, but they do not build any advanced technologies, and they do not dominate other species. That being said, an interesting example of this from science fiction is the Borg. The Borg were a pseudo-species of cyborgs featured in Star Trek The Next Generation. No single individual truly existed within the Borg collective, as all Borg were linked into a hive mind, which allowed information from every drone who had been brought into the collective to be shared. Their ultimate goal was the attainment of perfection through the forcible assimilation of diverse sentient species, technologies, and knowledge, which would be added and absorbed into the hive mind. The Star Trek episodes that involved the Borg were some of the most interesting. The Borg is scary because we can see how technology might cause the loss of our individuality. Harari briefly mentions this in his book as a possible future for ourselves. Although possible, I view this as unlikely for the following reasons. Firstly, it is difficult to see humans submitting to it. It would be kind of like herding cats, which doesn't go well. Secondly, the loss of our cooperative flexibility would take away what made us successful in the first place. And lastly, a technology-intensive species like this would not be well-fitted for earthly ecosystems. Another possibility is that the aliens will cooperate selflessly, like I am suggesting throughout this podcast, the new Homo Deus will cooperate. If so, I expect these aliens will be capable and interested in all sorts of things, but they will likely not be interested in conquest like we are. We are driven to conquest by our competitive desires. Once these desires are gone, everything will be different. 
Or maybe the aliens will follow a method of cooperation for which we don't have a model here on Earth. Maybe we can never rule out this possibility. That being said, the only data we have for advanced life forms is what we see here on Earth. Everything else is conjecture. And it is difficult to imagine. Our competitive desires have been key to us surviving and succeeding, both while we were in the animal kingdom and once we became Homo sapiens. It is hard to see how we or any alien species would succeed without some sort of competitive drive. The problem is, as a species gets more and more powerful, the competitive and violent urges become more and more difficult to control. The stakes just keep going up. So our survey of the possible methods of cooperation suggests that any advanced species of aliens, if they exist, will face the same predicament as us. As they increase in power, they will face obstacles related to damaging the ecology they depend on, as well as limitations in their methods of cooperation. Although science fiction mostly assumes that we will be able to stick-handle around these obstacles and just keep on going, without any fundamental changes to who we are, this is not a law of nature. It is just an assumption that we make, because imagining other possibilities is difficult and uncomfortable. From my perspective, the data suggests that we cannot go on as we are. Instead of imagining aliens who are just like us, but with better technology, we should imagine aliens who are like us, but with better, more sustainable methods of cooperation. I'm not sure how good a Star Trek episode it would make, but it would help us to chart a potential future for ourselves. In Star Trek, the Borg tells Captain Jean-Luc Picard, You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Jean-Luc responds that this is impossible, as our culture is based on freedom and self-determination. Yes, Star Trek The Next Generation is a great liberal humanist fantasy. It shows a slightly more generous version of ourselves, traveling the galaxy, spreading human rights and individual liberty. In Star Trek, the basis for cooperation is the social institutions called the Federation and Starfleet. They are just like our governments, police, and armies, but everyone seems to get along a little bit better than we do here on Earth. Although I love this show, and I love Jean-Luc Picard, it is an impossible dream. It is futile to hold on to this liberal fantasy for all the reasons that Harari mentions, as well as the ones that I've added. But is it futile to resist a world where we are dominated by artificial intelligence? Is it futile to resist handing over control of our lives to algorithms? No, resistance is not futile. If we are willing to work with nature and cooperate with what evolution is already doing, then there is a path. 
But if we insist that we got this and carry on with our assumption that we can manage our competitive urges and outsmart the ecology that supports us, it will not go well. In conclusion, we shouldn't spend much time worrying about aliens invading. The vastness of space makes it unlikely, and it is made even more unlikely because of the ecological and cooperation challenges associated with socially and technologically advancing beyond where we are at today. Our clear and present danger is self-destruction. To avoid this, we should keep our focus on the problems associated with who we are as Homo sapiens and learning new methods of cooperation. Let's not squander the incredible and potentially unique opportunity that evolution has given us. That's it for Episode 9. Let me summarize what we talked about. Artificial intelligence is here. Its application in business and government is proceeding rapidly. Harari calls it the great decoupling because for the first time, intelligence is being separated from consciousness. Up to now, all intelligence evolved organically and it always came with consciousness. AI will lead to mass losses in employment. It is wishful thinking that there will remain tasks that only humans can do. AI will likely have the capability to surpass humans in everything. AI will also likely lead to the loss of belief in the individual, and it may end up deciding that humans are not helpful and exterminate us. Given these downsides to AI, it might be a good idea to stop or slow down the pace of development. But we are unable to do this. No one knows where the brakes are. This is the predicament we are in. Humanity also faces other existential risks, like Earth being hit by an asteroid or a supervolcano erupting. These risks are low likelihood in the short term. Given we are facing a current existential crisis relating to our path of religious and technological development, this is where the focus of our attention should be. Homo sapiens' basis for cooperating has been social institutions and intersubjective realities. New religions have always arisen when old ones fade away. But there is no law of nature saying this will always be the case. It is wishful thinking that new religions will always arise to enable our cooperation. We should take a fundamental approach to our problems and focus on retraining our desires and learning new methods of cooperation. We cannot solve our problems like climate change, injustice, and out-of-control technological development one at a time. The situation isn't really our fault. This is where evolution has landed us. If advanced life forms exist on other planets, it's very likely they face the same sorts of limitations and opportunities that we face. Competitive desires are necessary for survival in the animal kingdom and for advancing as Homo sapiens. But there comes a point in the path of development where it just doesn't work anymore. 
we and any other species that follows the same path of development we are on, eventually need to evolve our methods of cooperation or go extinct. As far as we know, we are the only species in the universe to use social institutions as a basis for cooperation. And we are the only species that might be able to graduate to even more advanced methods of cooperation. Evolution has given us an incredible opportunity. Let's take advantage of it. Please join me for the 10th episode in this podcast. Having established that humanism is in decline, Harari addresses the question, what new religions or ideologies might fill the resulting vacuum? Two religions that are already here and may step forward are techno-humanism and the data religion. We will discuss the likelihood of these technology religions succeeding and also loop back to the concept of survival of the fittest. Will humanity really be more fit for survival within the earthly ecosystems if these religions do succeed? Does it even matter? Please join me for the next episode. <laughs>